Welcome to another edition of the Raptors Pot Table Podcast. Carlin Gay, uh, feeling a little tired after watching the Boston Celtics crush the Toronto Raptors. Too many to not enough. The final score in that one. But here to break it all down with me is a good friend, chipper voice, intelligent human being. Uh, she also has... I don't know. You give me give me some attributes uh, that I can describe you with. Um, snarky. Snarky. Sassy. Sassy. Kind ish. Uh, I, I, I don't. I don't. Yeah. Okay. We'll stop there. Uh, <laughs> Ashley Docking, Toronto-based national broadcaster. You can follow her on social media at SmartAsh. S M R T A S H. In case you didn't know, um, Ashley, how are you? Really good. Happy to be here with you. You, you know? don't, you don't sound I, I, I happy. Love, I know it's late, but I you love, don't sound happy. I love to stay up and watch ass kickings just to talk <laughs> about how bad it was after the fact. It's my favorite pastime. Yeah. So let's get right into that and talk about the butt whooping that we just watched together. Give me one big takeaway that you, uh, that you can take away from a blowout, if anything. I mean, okay. So I think that fans generally have the tendency to panic especially when you're in a restart situation um, which has never happened like this before you want your team to be kind of gearing up towards the elimination round Um, but honestly my biggest takeaway and it's quite a big positive for me it's a plus for this Raptors group is that they're really one of the only teams that I don't worry about when they have off nights like this Because I really, truly believe, and it's not hyperbole at all, I really, truly believe that they're the kind of team that can just get in the locker room and be like, man, that was trash. You guys, we cannot have a performance like that again. And everyone's like, yep, true, we agree. And they can actually move forward. And I think that that's more rare than people say. Carlin, you know we always talk about, okay, just flush the game, forget about it, move forward. But to actually do that, is quite a talent for the whole group to be on board that way. Yeah, and it's something that we saw the seeds of last year in the playoffs. They go down 0-1, which is typical of the Raptors in the first game of the postseason. They come back and smack the Orlando Magic, make quick work of them. They go down 2-1 against the 76ers. They come back in that series. Same thing against Milwaukee Bucks. They go down uh, 2-0 and come back in that series, make their first finals. And, you know, the air was, we were both in the building for game five, you know, the entire country, the entire city of Toronto wanted the championship to be won that night. Kyle Lowry hits the side of the backboard of a potential game winner and the air is let out of the balloon, but they head on to Oakland and make it three straight to shut down Oracle arena. So you're right. They have the ability to bounce back uh, when their backs are against the wall. So uh, you're right. Maybe we shouldn't take away too much from this specific game. But well, how uh, can you? yeah, it's, it's a regular season game at the end of the day, right? Well, it is what it is. And also there's no motivation for either coach to really show their bag of tricks. Um, they're not going to just put it all out there. You know, Nick Nurse loves a twist, <laughs> loves to put a wrench in things. But why would he show the world that right now in a game that means nothing? Yeah. You're right. You're talking me into a better space of mind. <laughs> um, my big takeaway from tonight's game was the energy or lack thereof. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we expected a defensive battle. No question about it. These are two of the best defensive teams in the league. Uh, and it looked like that to 
start. No one could hit a jump shot, and you can chalk it up to bad shooting. But I would go the other way and say that was great defense on both ends. And finally, the Celtics started hitting shots, and that's where the game got away from the Raptors. But it was the energy for me that they just did not have uh, you know, the spark that we normally see out of this team where they give you the confidence that if they go down 15, they might be able to come back in, in that game. And as the lead kept growing, we were waiting for a play to be made from anybody. Could have been Norm, yeah. could have been Siakam, could have been anyone. And it, it just never came. And, uh, you know, the Celtics beat them to the punch. Every loose ball, every 50-50 ball, the old cliche, the Celtics were on top of it. And, and that was the big takeaway for me. Yeah, I agree with you. It was, And it wasn't even for a necessary lack of effort. It was just that cohesiveness, um, the anticipation of where your teammates going to be that we saw from the Raptors from jumping this restart. I don't know how you feel about it. I watched them play. I'm just like, wow, they're like in moments, they're really on, they're cutting, they're screening, they're moving. They're all utilizing each other. The ball's flying around the court. Um, that just wasn't the, the vibe for this team. Some people, tried to do things on their own, I think, um, and not in an egregious way. It was just trying to get something going. Um, a lot, for a lot, there was just all these outside shots. Um, there was no one really taking it to the to the bucket. I think the one spark that I thought might have changed it was the Kyle Lowry series, obviously. Uh, he goes to the bucket, gets a diving and one at the baseline, takes a charge on the subsequent possession, and he's telling all his guys, let's go, let's go, let's go. Um, and then I think the Celtics called a timeout and then reinforced their lead after that. <laughs> um, but yeah, there was there were no um, real runs where even if they put up like 7-0 run or something like that, it never really felt like the momentum uh, got in their backpack and went along for the ride, you know? Yeah, it, it was a tough, tough loss, but you have those throughout the regular season. So like we said, you can't take too, too much away from that. Um, while the Raptors were getting their butts kicked, I was sitting there thinking about different things that we can talk about in this podcast because there wasn't going to be much to take away from a game where the Raptors get shellacked. Uh, but I started wondering, and I've been on the wrong end of some buck kickings in my life. Uh, I started wondering what sport would be the worst to get your butt kicked in. Uh, at one point, the Raptors were down by 40 points. And I thought, you know, this is bad, but I don't think it's as bad in the grand scheme of things. Like, if you're getting your butt kicked in the NBA game or, or any sort of basketball game, at least you have the ability to score in every possession. So you take a small little ounce of victory there. In hockey, you could be getting your butt kicked, but you can still fight legally. So you could still go out there and take your frustrations out on someone else's face. But I don't know. Maybe baseball is the one that sticks out to me because, you know, getting your butt kicked in baseball especially if, you know, a Joe Kelly or someone like that is talking trash on the other end. You can't really do anything about it. You just got to take the L. I mean, your pitcher could throw at the, throw at the opposing batters. That's fair. Um, that doesn't really feel great, I'm sure. Having a 90-mile-an-hour <laughs> heater just coming at you between the shoulders. Um, I'd say soccer um, is pretty bad, mainly because there's just so much space, and once a team's up on you – they can just taunt you with the ball and play keep away. That's you could fair. not touch the ball in any significant way for 10, 15 minutes, really and truly. And that's just demoralizing. Or football, mm. because you still have to go in heavy every single play, especially if you're on the O-line or D-line. There's no breaks for you. <laughs> <laughs> like you can't just be like, I'm just good, I'm good this series. 
it doesn't work that way. You're still going to be punished. Um, so those would be my two, I think. When you first asked me the question, I thought you meant like a fight. No. <laughs> like what's well, the worst sport to get beat up in physically? I was well, like, oh, it's clearly boxing or, or the UFC. <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, those are both sports, but obviously, you, you know, getting your butt kicked in a boxing match or a UFC fight uh, is a little different than getting blown out in a, you know, sports competition. Uh, yeah. I agree with you, though. Maybe football is the one. Because, yes, yes, soccer, you can keep the ball away from, uh, from the opposing team, but, like, a blow in soccer could really be 2-0. Like, it, it might not be 13 nothing. That's very rare. That's like Team USA playing, you know, women team playing like, I don't know, Singapore or something like that. That's, sure. uh, that's the only time we, we see those type of scores. Um, and we know you're a legit soccer fan because you said no. So way to yeah. like subtly flex that. I, I didn't miss I, it. Not legit enough because I should be calling it football. That would make me the ultimate soccer fan if I did Oops. not say soccer and called it football. Yeah. But <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah, let's agree with, uh, let's agree with football, American or Canadian football. Um, NBA.com, Ashley, is your home for Raptor news, if you didn't know. Right there, you will find previews, takeaways, post-game coverage, and everything in between as we lead you to the Raptors' 2020 playoff run, their opportunity to defend their world championship. The longest reigning champions in NBA history, in case you didn't know. You can head on over to NBA.com, read articles from Scott Rafferty, Gil McGregor, myself, and Alex Novick, we have you covered not only just with the Raptors, but the rest of the NBA. If you're heading on, to, or if you head over to NBA.com right now, you will find a debate between myself and Scott Rafferty. Who is the best offensive weapon in the NBA today? Is it James Harden or is it Damian Lillard, Ashley? Oh, um, I think James Harden. Um, I think that Dame has had uh, more clutch moments uh, as of late. Right. Um, but I just think the way that Harden has kind of re-envisioned things to a certain degree um, has had other people being like, oh, we can get away with things like that. Well, let yeah. me try and do that, right? Whether right. it's drawing fouls because you're going into contact with your arms, whether it's taking step back jump shots off the wrong leg, um, you know, regardless of what, his range, his stature, like, I just think that he's so dangerous in so many ways. So it's not anything against Dame because I think he's phenomenal. I just think James influences other players a little bit more, which I think um, holds a little bit of value. Yeah, it's, it's okay to be wrong sometimes. And actually is <laughs> wrong in that department. Find out what I say about Damian Lillard being the best offensive weapon over on NBA.com. Uh, head on over there right now and read the article. All right. Um, Pascal Siakam had uh, a bad game today, Ash. Um, Is that he, the word you're choosing? Yeah, it was a bad game. It, it wasn't one of his best efforts. In fact, uh, he this is his second lowest scoring output of the entire season. He was a you know 11 points, 15 or sorry, uh, five from 15 from the field. Not great from Pascal. Did not get to the free throw line at all. Uh, which has only happened two other times this season. And he actually didn't even dish out a single assist, which has only happened one other time this Ooh. season. Pascal was Casper the Ghost out there tonight. Uh, and credit to Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown is an all-world defender. And, and, and Celtics, as we said off the top, is one of the top defensive teams in the NBA. So they do this to a lot of players. But 
this is seeming to be a recurring theme for Pascal Siakam. I, I want to give you some numbers here before you respond to what I just said. All right, let me get my quill. Hold on. All right, I'm uh, ready. <laughs> Let's go. Against the Milwaukee Bucks this season, Pascal Siakam has, has, has averaged 19 points on 16 and a half shots, shooting below 40% from the field. Against the Philadelphia 76ers this season, Pascal Siakam, 19 points, 20 shots per game, 40% from the field. Against the Miami Heat, Pascal Siakam, 18 points on 14 shots, 42% from the field. Those are elite defenses, and Pascal has not been efficient against those type of defenses. And those are the, we're not worried about the first round. Like the Brooklyn Nets or the, the Magic, whoever it seems to be, they're going to get knocked out in the first round by the Toronto Raptors, whether or not Pascal has struggles from the field or not. Mm-hmm. But in round two, three, and potentially four, Pascal cannot have these type of nights. It shows up again against great teams and great defenses. And uh, it's happening far too often. And this isn't just a one-game takeaway. This is a trend now. He hasn't been able to elevate his game to the next level. And I know this is his first go-around as the guy. I understand that. I'm not going to crush him for the season that he's had as the man overall. But if we're grading him this season as the go-to player, he's turned into an all-star, all-star starter, everything else. If we're grading him this season as the go-to player, I'm going to give him a B plus. But... Okay. We're grading him in the lens of has he been able to elevate his game when the spotlight is the brightest? He's got a D minus. <laughs> That's so harsh. Okay, I have a few things to say. I okay with Pascal Siakam. I think that it's fair to say, and I hope you agree with me, that the expectations that have been put on him are a little bit ridiculous. Um, just given story, right? Just, we all know when he started playing basketball, the lack of experience that he's had compared to his peers, um, what he's been able to do in that, that circumstance is fantastic. And if we're going with your graded system, it's still an A plus. He also from last year went from a top 50 score to a top 20 score. And then from last year went from a top 50 rebounder to a top 25 rebounder. So he's still in the elite echelon of NBA players. Now, when it comes to clutch moments, I think the problem becomes a little bit twofold. First, it's matchup dependent, right? You mentioned Jalen Brown and the Celtics. They're a good matchup for the Toronto Raptors, specifically for Pascal Siakam, so much so that they didn't have to bring any help anytime Pascal was in the post early on in this game. Now, he didn't exactly forced the issue where he got Brown into foul trouble and made him play a little bit more passive, which would make the defense collapse a little bit more. um, So Pascal's could pass out of it. That didn't end up developing um, in this game, which would be an ideal situation. And then second of all, the rappers as a whole, Pascal Siakam specifically really thrive when the game is moving quickly up and down the floor, run and gun, fast break points but that's going to be a problem obviously against the elite defenses that you mentioned because people are getting back they're able to cut off lanes to the basket they're able to get their hands on passes and it makes actually setting up your half court offense much more important but because pascal doesn't really have to deal with it all that often i think that's where he runs into some trouble yeah and so to respond to that two things here one, if we're, you know, at some point, we got to take the training wheels off. You know, I understand Pascal Siakam mm-hmm. is a, a, a nice story. The dude went from G League <laughs> to an all-star. 
an awesome story. It is made for TV movie story. Um, you know, I'm not going to take anything away from that. And, and granted, I think sitting here today, he's not hit his ceiling yet. I still think there is room for him to grow. But we're talking about today in the now, right now. And, and right now, So you think none of that be, matters? It, it, it's a nice story. It's a great story. But what does that mean for this season and the Toronto Raptors' chances right. at winning or repeating as champions? You have to forget about all of that because right now he's being expected to be the man in Toronto with the spotlight on him. Whether or not that's fair, that's up for debate. But that's what the expectation is. He's turned himself into an all-star. We give him the thumbs up there. But now he has to be, you know, he's heading into the playoffs where there's going to be another level where he has to get to. Like I said, we're not going to have to worry about him in the first round of the playoffs because Brooklyn and Orlando aren't real NBA threats. Mm-hmm. They aren't real NBA teams. Brooklyn's definitely not a real NBA team. They've got G League players on their roster. But in the second round. No, no disrespect to G League, by the way. <laughs> In the second round, uh, yeah. they, they're going to most likely face this same Boston Celtic team. Right. And if Jalen Brown is able to guard Pascal Siakam one-on-one, then we can't call him an elite player. Elite players in the NBA force teams to double them, force teams to zone them up, force teams to uh, you know, find ways to get the ball out of their hands. Yeah, and have a game plan. You have to. And if Jalen Brown could just guard Pascal Siakam one-on-one, no help, no nothing, then you're setting, you're setting yourself up to get knocked out of the playoffs quickly uh, in, in very quick fashion. And this, the second thing is, yes, Raptors are, you know, one of, they're actually the best fast-break team in the league. They're averaging 28 points per game in fast-break uh, opportunities. They're super efficient in fast-break opportunities. I think they're in like the 93rd percentile. Uh, you know, in terms of scoring on the fast break, the Celtics are a really good defensive team and they make sure the teams don't score uh, in the fast break. Coming into the game, they were averaging or they were only giving up 17 points uh, in fast break opportunities. That's bottom five in the league or top five in the league uh, in, in that department. So if the Celtics are able to take away one of the Raptors, you know, basically 30 points per game, the Raptors are going to have to find a different way. Like at, what's that? I think it's 23, no? Well, it's, it's 28, 28 points per game in, in fast break opportunities. If the rap, if the, oh, okay. If the Celtics, I thought you were talking about Pascal. I was like, okay. Let's, oh, let's no, 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 no. He, he's averaging, you're right. He's averaging 23 yeah. points per game. But I'm talking about in, in fast break sure, opportunities. Sure. Even if they have it, they're in trouble, right? Yeah, you take that away. They're going to have to find ways to get things done in the half court. And unfortunately, yeah. because of the role that he's in, Pascal Siakam is going to be responsible to make up some of that, uh, you know, some of those points that they're missing. So, um, so I actually disagree with you there, though. Okay. I actually think he's miscast as the guy on Toronto. So who's I actually don't believe that there's one person who the onus falls on to be the point scorer night in and night out. He's not Kawhi. He's not LeBron. He's not James Harden. He's not Dame. He's none of those guys. And the way Toronto is built specifically arguably there is no superstar right Right. they all have nights they all go off once in a while sometimes it's kyle sometimes it's fred sometimes pascal unleashes on the other team so i i know what people are saying because generally speaking you have to acknowledge someone as your lord and savior and the person who's going to come through in the clutch but that's the challenge that toronto has this year is that they don't have that traditional guy who can make a shot for himself 
no matter what the circumstance. And that's the challenge for this team. That's the challenge for Nick Nurse is to find a way to make them the first team to win an NBA title without a bona fide upper tier superstar since Detroit right? many, many years ago. Because there's always the one guy in Toronto. I don't necessarily think they have it. And listen, I love me some Kyle Lowry, but I also don't know if he's going to be that guy every single night either. He yeah. contributes in other ways. So that's why I think Pascal's miscast. That's why I think it's a little bit unfair. Uh, I hear what you're saying. He didn't have a good night tonight. Obviously, that's not something I'm going to argue with you. But just in general, um, he's, in a, he's in a tough spot. Yeah, but I'm not basing it just off tonight. I'm basing it off of when he goes up against elite teams, elite defenses. We no, just I, haven't yeah, seen sure. the same level of of play as as you you know you would normally get out of an all star. Like we have to, he's an all star now. He has to be judged by all star standards, and all star standards are you perform no matter the circumstances. I, I'm not going to put him in the superstar class because I think there's two or three superstars in the league. And he, he's not that yet, but it, it, I can judge him as an all-star. And even yeah. just judging him as an all-star, he just hasn't brought it in those situations. So, I mean, it's an ongoing conversation. And it's something that, uh, granted, he could, you know, obviously, you know, in two weeks' time, when we get to the second round, he can shut me up. He can shut a lot of people up by just going out and playing well in the series. And, and, you know, all the questions will be answered. But from what we've seen so far, it just isn't there yet. And I expected today to be the day uh, that it happened because we got a great game out of Kyle Lowry. We had the Kyle Lowry game, you know, against the Lakers. We had the Fred Van Vliet game against the Miami Heat. We had the entire team game against the Magic. This was supposed to be Pascal's game because he hasn't had his game yet. And yes. it, this was not his game. <laughs> I wish people could see your air quotes. His game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I always forget this is a podcast and people can't really see me. But whatever. no, it's so good. I'm, it's here probably to, for I'm the actually best only here to just to do vo- to voice your actions. That's the only reason I got brought in. <laughs> Carlin smiles into the microphone, uh, laughs hysterically. All right, let's do what let's do what the Raptors are about to do with this game and throw it away and never think about it again and look ahead uh, as they take on two fellow Canadians on Sunday, Dylan Brooks, Brandon Clark, and the former Vancouver Grizzlies, now Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, that game goes down 2 p.m. I don't know what channel it's on, but I'll figure that out while Ashley gives us something to look for in that game. Oh, man. Um, I think I'm just going to be looking for – I know that you're going to be looking for Pascal Siakam to figure it out. I think I'm going to be looking for – Maybe a better game from like Mark and, and Serge specifically. Um, I think that as much as we talk about the guard play um, for Toronto and the defense as a whole, those two do have to be rolling to a certain degree offensively and remain threats um, in the game at all times because they're also capable passers, right? Especially Mark Gasol. And so if they hit a few buckets early on, um, it makes everything so much easier for the Toronto Raptors. And listen, the Raptors got a ton of open shots tonight. They were wide open on a few that just didn't capitalize. Um, but if you've noticed specifically with Mark Gasol, generally speaking, when he has his big games, it's early. It's like the first quarter or the third quarter. And that's, that's by design that it makes things go much more swimmingly for the rest of the team. So maybe look for them to get rolling a little bit more just because um, – they're going to be massive, massive once the postseason starts. You talk about having a definite win in the first round. Well, 
listen, one of the reasons that they were able to get past Orlando so easily last year was because Marc Gasol was a defensive king and not even just in that series, in every single series um, that came after that. So maybe get those guys into the forefront a little bit more instead of the guards who we've been talking about a ton um, over the course of this restart. Yeah, Serge Ibaka, uh, who actually got poked in the eye during the game, yeah. did not return. So hopefully he's okay. Uh, keep it locked on NBA.com. We will uh, keep you up to date with his status for Sunday's game. By the way, the game is on TSN, so we get to hear Matt and Jack again. Uh, and it's also on TSN 1050 on the radio side, 2 p.m. early start. I love that. Early start, that means that we get to talk a lot earlier than we are talking right now. Now, um, you mentioned that I am looking forward to seeing Pascal Siakam bounce back. I'm really not, to be honest with you, because I know he's going to bounce back. The Grizzlies aren't a great defensive team. They don't have anyone that can match up with him. I want to see him go at the Milwaukee Bucks on Monday, but we could talk about that uh, in Sunday's show. Um, <laughs> Just now. not even talk about the Memphis game. I'm Carla. This is Ash. Here's the score tomorrow <laughs> yeah i mean why waste time talking about the, the the grizzlies other than the two canadians uh on the team um you know there's not much i you know let me let me not say that john morant great player phenomenal yeah. player should win rookie of the year jaron jackson sorry that he's hurt because i, I love watching him play basketball but oh. after that uh i don't know many people are rushing to their tv to watch uh you know who else is out there? Uh, Slow Mo uh, Anderson. No, I'm not. No, but ultimate Jersey matchup the other night with Utah and Memphis. Right, and they're going to the be the blues and the blue and the purple. Yes, the Raptors are wearing an, their throwbacks in this one too. Yeah, it was an all-star matchup for their jerseys for sure. So that's a win. That's a victory. That is a victory. That is a reason. Kyle Anderson. I'm not. I'm talking about Slow Mo Kyle Anderson. Um, yes, the Grizzlies <laughs> are actually going to be wearing the throwbacks, and so are the Raptors. The Raptors are going to be wearing their purple jerseys as a throwback homage back in the day to the uh, Jack Donahue Classic, or uh, what? What was it called? Was it that? I think it was a Jack Donahue Classic way back in the day, or the Naismith. Pinterest. Yeah. Is it, no, it was the, uh, the the first game of the season. They had a name for it. It was something. Naismith Cup, Jack Donahue Classic. Anyways, you guys have Google. You can Google it. Um, Ash, anything to say before we uh, both go to bed? <laughs> oh, man, no. Have a glass of water. Stay hydrated. Lotion your, you know, your elbows so you can wake up tomorrow and seize the day. Yeah. Uh, we're going to expect that my, out my, of you. My, my every, uh, <laughs> yeah, we're going to expect that out of you, that type of energy out of you uh, after Sunday's game as well. I hope you come back with me. I hope this was a blast for you as much as it was for me. I hope it was a blast for the listeners because they're normally hearing me complain about how late games finish. Uh, so at least they got to hear your voice. You're a lot more chipper than I am. So promise Yeah, only one of us turns into a pumpkin at midnight and yeah. it ain't me. Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely yours truly. <laughs> uh, for Ashley Dogging. I am Carlin Gay. We will see you after the game on Sunday right here on the Raptors Pod Table Podcast.